millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So apparently, Kay is releasing a video, though. There's no way you can talk yourself out of it. It's physically impossible, dude. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Watch Time, your weekly dive into everything happening on the internet with YouTubers and social media. My name is Elliot, aka Musoc. I am a YouTuber with over 9 million subscribers. I'm here with my sister, Grace, Hello. who runs Click Management, which is a uh, very large talent management agency looking after YouTubers. And uh, we're here to talk about internet things. We are here to talk about internet things. How's your week been, Elliot? My week has been good. We're still in lockdown here in Sydney. This is my one outing of the week. Like the one time I've left the house in the last yeah, two weeks has been to come it's, in and record watch time with yeah, me. Yeah, it's it's pretty not ideal, to be honest. We uh, Sydney's been really good with Corona. We basically have had it not here for pretty much a year. Um, and now we, we kind of cooked it. The little Delta boy broke out. I think we talked about this last week. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's proving tough to go away. We've been in lockdown for almost two weeks at this stage, yeah. like a week and a half. And we're still, uh, like the number of cases a day is still going up. Yeah. I, I, I am, imagine what would have happened if we didn't go into lockdown. It would have been insane. Yeah, we'd be royally screwed to say the least (laughs) um but while it's been uneventful in our IRL lives it's been a bloody big week on the internet the internet has been popping we're going to be talking about a couple things this week we're going to be talking about virtual concerts we're going to be talking about phase we're going to be talking about a few big things but I think we've got to address the phase k and the save the kids drama. So when did this first come to your attention? Uh, I mean, pretty much as soon as it broke, I saw, I kind of looked at Twitter and all of a sudden there were people talking about how something had happened and what was FaZe Clan doing and this drama. And then I, I think I actually tuned into Aussie Antics stream and he was talking oh, about it. Okay. Caught up with it all on Twitter, watched the drama video of it all breaking and um, yeah, the rest is history. So you guys know we've been talking about crypto and Bitcoin and how that's intersected with the influencer world for a while now. It is really a very, very interesting development, I think, in like the influencer world and how creators are literally promoting and in a very real sense, influencing their audiences to take an action. And obviously in the past, you've seen creators talk a lot about different products that they're passionate about or brands that they're passionate about and promote them and say, hey, you guys should go try this out, which is one thing. And in the last year, there's been a pretty major progression to a lot of creators, particular ones being repeat offenders, promoting particular altcoins or crypto coins, saying, hey, guys, I love this crypto coin, go buy it. And then there being this phenomenon where these creators are able to promote a coin. When they promote the coin, more people buy it. It drives the price up and they're having very real world impacts on people's money. Combined with the fact that for these creators, oftentimes they can have a massive personal interest in whether or not a 
coin performs well. So if you're a creator and you buy a coin at a really cheap price before you promote it, you promote it and your influence leads to the coin increasing in value and then you sell it's known as this phenomenon called like a pump and dump, basically, which is where you like pump the price of the coin and then dump it and you take the cash out. And the interesting thing is when you're a creator, obviously the way most creators generate revenue is by finding ways to monetize their audience, whether that's ads on YouTube or whether that's doing sponsored posts to advertise a product to their audience. But I feel like every few years, uh, opportunity comes along that is slightly more morally ambiguous. And I don't even know if you can use the word ambiguous, just morally not great. Um, I think it like comes in as a gray area and it's like, but what is this? This is the thing. It's actually not a gray area. And, and that was actually the point I was going to make is I feel like a lot of influencers will find ways to convince themselves that something is a gray area and be like, oh, you know, like who really knows what this is? When in reality, if you put more than 30 seconds thought into it, it's very clear. For example, let's take pump and dumps like this example right here. Effectively, like you're saying, what you're doing is you're uh, advertising a coin that's about to be released to your audience that you hold an absolute ton of, say it's worth $1. You then say, everyone should buy it. You're doing giveaways. You're telling people this is the next big coin and that you really believe in it and you're supporting it and it's really cool. Your audience that trusts you then buys in, driving the price up. They're buying in at five, six, seven, eight dollars. You immediately sell when you think it's hitting a relatively good price within that first day because of all the demand. And then all of a sudden, your audience that bought in at seven or eight dollars is stuck holding something that's now only worth 10 cents. Yeah. So it really isn't even ambiguous at that stage. When you're advertising a product to your audience, at the end of the day, that person is looking at the product, deciding if they think it's worth it and they're buying it and they're getting what they paid for. But with something like crypto, crypto is effectively purely a vehicle for investment. And so it's, people don't buy crypto because it has some great like practical use in the short term. They're buying it because they're hoping the price goes up and they can make money. They're choosing to invest mm. their money there. So in that scenario where you're deliberately pumping the price up and then selling it, leaving your audience holding the bag of buying in at that higher price, which is no longer practical, you are quite literally and in no ambiguous way, effectively like screwing over your viewers for money. Yeah. And that is exactly what happened here. A bunch of people from FaZe, although different levels of severity were caught advertising this coin, which you cannot believe it, but it is called Save the Kids, which it's just so sounds bad. like we've got the best intentions and my God, they did not. They they advertised and claimed it had a bunch of measures that were specifically to prevent people doing pump and dump schemes. And then right before the coin launched, they removed all those measures so that they could pump and dump it and effectively uh, messed over their whole audience by immediately selling a large amount of their supply as soon as the coin launched. So let me take this back for a second because I feel as though there's been a couple big YouTubers try to draw awareness to these schemes, these like pump and dump schemes and the fact that all these creators are promoting crypto coins or altcoins. Cody Ko being one of them a few weeks ago did a really big video basically saying like, do not trust any creator that is promoting a coin to you. Do you agree with that perspective or do you think there have ever been or there are situations where creators might genuinely think, okay, there's actually some value here behind this coin that my audience is going to potentially feel the benefit of? Like there's some underlying thing here 
and I'm just doing a, my job by promoting it. I'm being paid to promote it. Or do you think that these creators are kind of willfully blind and if they really thought about it, it's not responsible to promote that sort of thing to your audience? I personally would always err on the side of avoiding giving your audience investing advice because at the end of the day, that's not what you're there for. Right. And that's not your speciality. I do at the same time think there are some creators who are quite knowledgeable in crypto and also don't necessarily have um, the intention of actually harming their audience when mm -hmm. they promote a coin. Because, For example, I think KSI, he is heavily into the crypto space. I think he actually does have a relatively good understanding of it. And from everything I've heard has done very, very, very well of it. He has a whole Twitter account where he talks about crypto all day, every day, talks about random coins that he's getting right. into or getting out of. But I don't think that he's ever using that promotion to pump and dump. That said, at the same time, crypto is just so unstable, so uncertain, so cutting edge that the reality is there are probably better people to get your investing advice from than a random dude who you watched play FIFA for a few years. That guy might be very, very knowledgeable, um, but there are still better people to probably listen to and people who actually do understand it more and who don't have as much of a uh, kind of, um, I guess, potential to leverage a massive audience for financial yeah. gain. And I think that's the thing. At the end of the day, if a big YouTuber buys a coin, they might genuinely believe in that coin. But when they tweet, hey, you guys should buy this coin, if they have a big enough audience, they are very conscious of the fact that them tweeting that out, increasing the demand for the coin is going to generate them profit at the same time. Yeah. So it, it's never or almost never just like a good Samaritan move that they're trying to, you know, really help you out with investing tips. At the end of the day, if someone is really pushing a coin, it's because they're invested in it and mm. more people being interested in that coin is in their financial interest. I think it's really interesting because even if you had the best intentions, you're right. If you are invested in that coin and you promote it to your audience, you immediately, like whether or not you like it, create a huge conflict of interest for yourself. A massive conflict of interest because you might be thinking going into it, oh, I'm promoting this out of like genuine... I think there could be value here. But this moment that your influence increases the price of that coin and increases your value and your your potential to make a shitload of money off it, it just puts you in a really complicated position in the relationship you have with your audience. Yeah. Now, with the Save the Kids coin, though, I don't think there was any ambiguity there. There was no, no question about what the motivation was. Uh, it, it seemed very, very clearly to be a pretty clear-cut pump-and-dump scheme. This has all really been unraveled by some truly incredible armchair investigation work by a YouTuber of the name CoffeeZilla. And I was truly enthralled throughout this whole video. I thought it was amazing. Yeah. Um, I thought it was such a good piece of YouTube content. Shout out to him. So good. Side note, I've always thought like when I'm old and retired, I would love to be an armchair investigator. I think that would be really fun. And but you know what I think is so funny is one of the big things about cryptocurrency is the idea of like anonymity and the idea of mm. like untraceable currency, mm. all that kind of stuff. But uh, I think- It was amazing how much you could pull. Yeah. So Phase K, um, 
basically who was the, the the person who's become like he he definitely acted the worst through this whole thing absolutely sold out his whole currency supply as soon as it dropped but he managed but coffeezilla managed to find a time where he had uh run a giveaway for one of these coins that he was pumping and dumping being like i'll double however many of the coin that you're holding encouraging people to buy more of it uh with this giveaway and then he was able to track the transaction where Kay had sent a certain wallet address currency. Mm. And then because of that, he was able to find phase K's wallet. And then because with crypto, while it is totally anonymous, every transaction is like forever is listed in a giant public ledger that anyone can go through. So you can see the transaction of any wallet. Because of that, he was able to then go through Phase K's entire cryptocurrency transaction history and basically look at every single coin that he had ever said, oh, wow, I really believe in this coin. This coin's going to be the next big thing. It's going to be the next Bitcoin. And as soon as the coin launched, as soon as the price got pumped, dumped. It was pretty brilliant. And I think it just really unraveled any sort of legitimacy that Kay had with his audience because a couple days before this video was released and it had come out that the Save the Kids coin was pretty fraudulent to say the least, Kay had tweeted a few tweets basically claiming that he had no idea and he had the best intentions and he was naive but really had no understanding of what was going on and came in and was basically like, look, guys, I got ripped off too. I'm in the same boat as everyone else. I'm so sorry that I contributed in any way to this. And the video basically made clear, you know, you have to go watch the video yourself, but the video made clear in, I think, almost no uncertain terms that that was not the case. He'd been involved a long time, almost probably since inception, if not for Inception, and absolutely understood what he was doing. He dumped the coin, as Elliot said, right after it pumped. And and it this is this is the shit that makes me angry. Like I you just as a creator or an influencer or someone with an audience to to knowingly like truly take advantage of your audience for your personal gain just feels so disgusting to me. Mm. And the fact is, he didn't even make that much money. What, he did this for like 40 grand? Like 40 grand is obviously a huge amount of money, but let me tell you, 40 grand is not worth losing your reputation for. No, it, like it like I was like I initially thought that they might have cashed out like 10 or 20 million. And I was like, "Oh, okay, like I could see him like being like, you know what, even if this does ruin my career, this is like this is like done money." But 40 grand, like risking your entire career with something that dodgy for 40 grand. And I'm telling you guys, like with the audience that Kay has, he's probably doing like, he could make 40 grand in like a couple brand deals, honestly. Like maybe- Probably the same number of videos he made on the coin. Yeah. He could have just done a NordVPN sponsorship and made the same money. Yeah. It's it's really, it's really, really weird. Um, and, And just overall, just completely stupid. But I guess, like, I mean, my big question is, do you think he will be able to recover from it? It seems like actually a lot of the other phase members that were involved, their their fault wasn't quite as egregious. They only sold, like, a small portion of their coin. They actually genuinely held on to a relatively large amount and ended up losing out on the whole project. But do you think that people like Phase K will be able to recover? I don't know. And this is... 
I mean, look, we've spoken about cancel culture so much on this podcast and I think I've made clear I'm not a fan of cancel culture. I don't think people deserve to be cancelled. I think we're dealing with people that are very young and in very unique situations and make silly decisions and I think is that is this that? A hundred percent. Uh, I think I think it's bad though. I, I think this is pretty bad. And I think it's like, could he come back? Maybe yes, but also to what extent? Like K is a really major part of FaZe. Obviously, FaZe has announced they've dropped him completely and suspended the other three people from FaZe that were involved. I mean, could he come back in a personal capacity? Potentially. Is FaZe gonna re-sign him? How does that look for FaZe? To be, I think uh, Faye, I think I think Kay's gone from Faze. I think I think Faze has got to drop, got to cut ties because Faze in their statement was like, you know, the trust and loyalty that we have with our audience has has always been and is our number one priority. I mean, side note there, I want to say I think that's mildly ironic. I, I was going to say, I actually wanted to go into this topic. Yeah. Faze as an organization has, don't get me wrong, like I do think that, like I'm not saying everyone in Faze is awful, but Faze has never hesitated to leap at the bag when the bag presents itself, regardless of if it is slightly... Uh, questionable. What Elliot's referring to is the fact that a number of years ago, FaZe and key members of FaZe were um, pretty widely known to be making, to be profiting significantly off CSGO gambling schemes, which is a whole nother thing we should get into another day, but also widely now considered very unethical, if not illegal, and and basically they made a huge amount of money. Effectively, that, which which to- does rip off young people, I think, and and you know was not a legitimate way to build a business. It's gambling. Say. It's gambling for under 18s disguised as not gambling, but not even really disguised. It was effectively yeah. gambling, but you would just trade your money for virtual guns and then trade it back into money. Like it really was just gambling for yeah. kids. So I think it is uh, possibly a little ironic that Faze is, <laughs> is saying the trust and loyalty of our audience has been and will always be our number one priority when it's like, oh, does anyone remember back to like 2017 or whatever in the yeah. CSGO gambling schemes? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I mean, you know, everyone makes mistakes. I do, I, on, a, on a real note, um, I believe that FaZe's leadership team has almost completely been replaced since the CSGO yeah. gambling days. They, they actually, are not involved in any way. I, I actually think a lot of the people that work at FaZe are brilliant. I think they're really great guys and girls. But um, back in the day, they, but uh, I they think had like some phases. There is a little bit of a, there's a little bit of a history that gives that statement maybe yeah. some extra weight. But I think they've done the right thing here. They absolutely can't be having an audience of mostly young people and people like this on their roster. No way. 
and I don't think they can take him back, regardless of how of how significant a member he was. And, and yeah, I just I can't no. see that happening. Absolutely. So will he come back? What do you think? Yeah, I, well, because I was actually going to use the same uh, gambling example as an example because it, it, internet with cancel culture is so weird. And you know what? Maybe he, maybe K does become the figurehead of crypto pump and dump schemes, and in which case it will really affect his uh, career in the long term. But so many, and I mean so many, big, 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 big YouTubers were heavily involved in that CSGO gambling stuff at the time, which was effectively the pump and dump scam of four or five years ago. And people were relatively outraged at the time when they found out that there were YouTubers fully rigging the odds on a website that yeah. they owned to make it look like you would win more on their website oh, so to get, bad. it was really bad. It was like also illegal, I think. Um, but there are a ton of channels that people don't even remember were involved. For example, Syndicate. Like Syndicate, one of the biggest channels in the world at the time. Um, huge, huge, huge YouTuber. And people just completely blank on the fact that he was fully involved with one of the worst examples of uh, those CSGO gambling websites. Um, so it, it's, it's I, I literally think it's 50-50. We've talked a lot about how uh, internet cancel culture doesn't make sense. It's illogical and is kind of one of the big reasons why it shouldn't exist uh, and needs to go away. But a big part of that illogical nature and the fact that sometimes people cancel people over nothing and then totally ignore pretty severe things is that you really don't know how something's going to lie until it's done. The internet is like very loud, yeah, but with a bad memory. Yeah, very bad memory. And and it just kind of seems to be a general hive mind decision that gets made whether or not we're going to let someone back in or not. Because if you look back at those CSGO days, um, I think T. Martin, uh, he never really got past it and the internet still remembers him as one of the bad... Um, CSGO yeah. gamblers, same with a guy called Phantom Lord. But then it literally uh, Syndicate owned the same website that T. Martin did. They were partners in it. And they, they're literally identical in what they did, but their public perception is completely different. So, so I, apparently Kay is releasing a video though in oh. the next week. There's no way you can talk yourself out of it. It's physically impossible, So dude. that's what I was going to ask. I'm like, what's the angle he's taking? Is he talking himself Nothing. out of it or is he begging forgiveness? apologizing like it, it has to be there's there's simply I, I can't see what kind of weird mental gymnastics you would have to do to justify tweeting this is the next big coin i truly believe in this product this is great and as soon as it launches selling that is physically can't, unless he's like oh someone stole my logins and sold my coins 18 different coin launches in a row like it's it's a pattern of behavior, indefensible behavior for mm. like in contrast to what you're saying publicly. It yeah, it it has to be an apology. It has to be. I'm sorry, I let my fans down. I wasn't really thinking of the consequences at the time. Like that's that's. I think that's the only thing it can be. Do you think this is the end of influencers promoting coins? Um. Large-scale influences, yes. But I think the really interesting thing is the number of people uh, that follow these like crypto influences, like people who fully made their channel from commentating about the crypto market and talking about where trends are and what good coins are. The number of those people that would be doing the exact same thing just in a more subtle way 
guarantee before one of those guys puts a video out talking about this brand new altcoin that's going to go crazy, mm. he's bought a ton of it because it's literally the option to print money. Yeah. Um, and and it's unregulated as well. So, yeah, I do think you'll you won't see uh, nearly as many mainstream YouTuber celebrity people uh, promoting coins anymore, but it will still happen. And it's why if you don't understand crypto, you should probably chill out on it. And also don't believe that someone has your best investing intentions at heart just yeah. because they say so. At the end of the day, they're out for number one and number one is them. And you're literally taking their advice in a market where their behavior isn't checked. It's not regulated. They can mess you over pretty much as much as they want and you could never prove that they did it. And that is exactly why that is not where I'd be taking the advice of random strangers on the internet. And you shouldn't do that at the best of times, let alone the dodgy crypto side of things. 100%. Well, I think that's going to wrap us up for uh, Faye's crypto drama of the week. But we've got one other topic we uh, wanted to talk about, which we thought was kind of, in, kind of interesting because it really is a bit of a trend that I think you can say pretty objectively has been happening more and more recently through a combination of... Uh, not only Corona, but just kind of technology evolving even more. And also like it's been a big part of what I've done in my work because of Fortnite, mm. but it is the whole idea of virtual concerts, virtual festivals, virtual music performances. Yeah. And the reason we uh, kind of had this come to mind today is uh, we're actually working with Splendor XR on a really, really cool show that they're doing in Australia because obviously we've just gone back into lockdown. So there's no real concerts. We've only got the virtual ones. And uh, Splendor XR is basically, normally Splendor is a huge real festival that happens in Australia this year because we can't do it. It's all moving online. And what they've done is create this huge, giant virtual festival effectively that you can go to. Mm. And it's not just like videos of artist performances, which is what a lot of online stuff is. But I think the thing I really wanted to talk about uh, today, and I guess what I think is so cool about these is how much technology has allowed online performances to go to the next level. And I think yeah. we're going to be talking about that in the context of what Splendor XR is going to be doing. I also want to talk about um, for like the different takes that you can have on it, like what Fortnite does with some of their performances. But long story short, um, in the Splendor XR one, they've literally created uh, what is going to be like a photorealistic version of the actual festival space. Yeah. You know, when you go to a festival, you've got multiple stages all around. You've got, uh, you know, like tents you can go into, areas yeah. you can walk around and other people's avatars that you can actually, like other people who are there attending virtually and they talk, you talk. And literally like in video games where you have proximity chat, it's literally proximity chat and live music in a festival kind of concert VR experience, which I think is just so, so cool. And then on top of that, what I love the most is they're not only doing the virtual event, they're also then doing like drink packages I'm and so like here for this. other things. Yeah. So you get the virtual ticket and you can be like on your couch at home, kind of like being there through your phone or computer or whatever. And then also you and your friends can be making cocktail kits to like yeah. have drinks while you're like listening to the music, which I think is so good. And I think it's such what definitely one of the best innovations to come out of Corona so far. And, and I think it's amazing, like how quickly this technology is developed. And mm. I remember like last year, I think the world had just gone into lockdown and Billie Eilish did her virtual concert, which was definitely cool, but 
you know, we're still like, okay, you buy the ticket, you log online, you kind of like watch it. Whereas this is really taking it to the next level. And it is very game-like in the fact that you're literally in a VR world. You can pick your avatar, you can pick an outfit, you can like transport to different areas, different stages, that sort of thing. Um, A thousand percent. I bloody love that it incorporates like the real world element of um, like you can literally get like party packs sent to your house and like these drink packages like sent to your house so you can like really feel like you're at a festival and you're not having to sneak in drinks illegally. So (laughs) (laughs) I actually love that. I remember... Turning, turning like 18, going to, which by the way, is the legal drinking age in Australia. And <laughs> whenever you had like, I remember going to like music festivals with like cousins and stuff and everyone's like finding ways to like strap goon bags of like alcohol to their body so that you can't see it when you're yeah. driving in. You it's, don't need to do that anymore. Yeah, you don't need to do that. You're in your own home. There's no <laughs> you bouncer. You just get it delivered. <laughs> um, so I guess my thing, what I was what I was keen to talk about was um, I guess the, the pros and cons of online and how people are finding more and more ways to make the online experience even cooler. Because obviously, I think undeniably, there is just something about when you're at a concert live, the music's blasting in your ears, there's people right next to you. There's like an energy to that that is very, very hard to ever match through like a digital space. Sure. But at the same time, I know some of my most like amazing concert experiences have actually now been through these like digital experiences. Yeah. And I mainly, like the main way I've experienced them is through Fortnite. Yeah. But there, you know, it all started off when Marshmallow did like mm-hmm. a little performance in the game. And that 10 was- 10 million people there to watch it yeah, live. By the live. Way, incredible. And then there was the Travis Scott concert. And in each of them, there was something so awesome about the fact that very much like what they're able to do within these virtual environments that you could never actually execute in real life. Things like um, giant like characters appearing out of nowhere to dance with the music. Suddenly it's low gravity. Everything's underwater. You can create these like visual experiences that go with the music that are that are just like nothing you could ever do in real life. You know, Travis Scott, I remember a certain beat drops and all of a sudden you're literally flying through the universe with this like planet coming across in front of you. Just like crazy audio visual experiences. And I love that like these worlds are colliding in this way because something that I think a lot of people have made mistakes with in the past is thinking about, okay, how can I take this real world event and just put it into a game yeah. and like make it into a game. And I feel like we've seen that with some like esports events and that sort of thing. It's like, how can we make this what really should organically feel like a real world event and put it into a virtual world? And oftentimes it just doesn't come off right because you're right, you lose part of the magic of what you get IRL. But I think what's been so innovative with a lot of the ways that Fortnite for sure has approached this like Post Malone and the Pokemon thing has approached this. It's like, how can we actually create something different? And Mm. it's not like, oh, this is just a B-grade version of an IRL experience. It's like, this is a totally different thing. Yeah, I think that's really amazing. And it shows like the development of where this stuff's going. And And I will always remember this conversation we had in New York with some of the execs at Fortnite where they were talking about how one of sort of like the 
recognitions that they were having was that there were all these young kids that would like come home from school and hang out in the Fortnite lobby. And like that was their after school experience. Like for us, I feel like it was like going down to Glen Ferry Road on a Friday afternoon and like hanging out at the Starbucks or whatever. Whereas now it's like, okay, these metaverses exist. These virtual worlds exist. How can we create these like really amazing experiences that aren't just replicating real life, but actually creating different experiences within it. And I think um, it's especially interesting, the whole collision of like music and gaming, which I think we've spoken about so much. I think it's really cool. It's amazing to see how like record labels, artists, now festivals are like really getting involved in different experiences. And yeah, uh, I don't know. I think it's very cool. Yeah, I also think it's awesome how many big artists are also like embracing it like you know yes. I, I mean at, at splendor xr they've got khalid they've got the killers fans joy grimes like like so many kind of like awesome artists as well who are actually yeah. who aren't just like seeing a digital thing and being like you know oh that's beneath me because yeah. i think i think so much of the time when you get like really big creators or really big artists they see new things and they're kind of and see it almost as like a gimmick, not something really worth engaging with. So the fact that you've got giant creators who are willing to, you know, be trying these new things, I think that's also really, really cool. Yeah, and I think um, in in Splendor XR as well, you're really going to get that like other world experience. A lot of the artists, like they're not just filming in front of a green screen. Like I'm just so excited to see this proximity chat thing. Cause that, that was, I was reading through like how the event's going to work and the idea of like proximity chat, which if you play video games, you know how hilarious proximity chat is. And I cannot imagine what that's going to be like at a festival with who knows. I don't know what the demographic's going to be. I don't know who's going to have microphones. I don't know how drunk everyone is going to be getting at home while watching this virtual festival. I love, just like side note, I love that like when we're talking about what we're excited about, Elliot's like proximity chat. Pro- and I'm like getting cocktails delivered to my home. Yeah. <laughs> like- but no, the musical, I'm sure the musical will be good. Yeah, but. I saw Khalid live a couple of years ago and I love him. He's I haven't been best. to a live concert in a while. I think uh, it was Peking Duck and then also um, Hans Zimmer. I went to him live. That was that Very was an experience. Cool. Love some cinematic music. Very cool. Yeah. Anyway, the event is happening on the 24th and 25th of July. It's happening over a weekend, Australia time. So we Grace and I will be there. I'll yeah, be, we're going to be I'll there. Be, I'll be screaming over proximity Dude, chat. you could find Elliot in proximity chat. I'll be running chat. around in proximity. I actually just registered my account. I got the name Muselk, so I'm glad that's not taken. Oh. So if you see uh, Avatar, called Muselk sprinting around. You can actually customize what your avatar looks like as well. I thought that was cool. You see an avatar running around called Muselk uh, screaming his head off. That is me. Um, <laughs> and yeah, if you want to if you want to check out more about it, we'll have uh, that info in the description. Yeah, and we actually have a link where if you buy now, you can get a really good discount on the price of the tickets as well. Oh, what? Yeah. I didn't know we had a link. I paid the full amount. Oh. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Bro, you didn't read your talking points well enough. No, apparently not. <laughs> Alrighty, guys. Well, thanks so much uh, for coming to listen to Watch Time this week. We hope you enjoyed. Grace, it's been a pleasure. As always, brother. We'll see you guys in the next one. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.